you get a list, your virtual assistant can pull different types of lists, right? Some of the lists that we found that are really good are pre-foreclosure, tax liens, evictions, code violations, probate, and obviously out-of-state owners and some of those, but they could pull those, compile them, skip trace them, put them into the auto dialer, like you're talking a mojo dialer, and then just outbound dial, hammer the phones. And when someone picks up the phone, the end goal is to gauge seller motivation to see, hey, are you interested in entertaining an offer? This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today we have Bob Chance. Bob is the founder and CEO of Riva Global, a real estate virtual assistant staffing company. In this episode, Bob will tell us how we can use virtual assistants to scale our business at an affordable cost and how we should interact with them to make the most of our relationships. If you're new to this podcast, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday and release the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com podcast. By the way, if you need help financing your next real estate project, check out Conventus Lending. Conventus is the best hard money lender with amazing rates and incredible service. I've used them for years and they've always been incredibly easy to work with. If you need a hard money loan, contact me at sean at everythingrei.com to get $1,000 off of your processing fee. And if you want to know the secrets of how investors in the Bay Area are making huge profits in one of the most expensive markets in the world, download the free Ultimate Bay Area Investing Handbook on our website, everythingrei.com. Enjoy! All right, Bob, thank you so much for being on the show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and tell us what you do. Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me, Sean. My name is Bob Lachance, like you said. I own Riva Global LLC. It's a dedicated, trained virtual assistant staffing company. We work with, you know, work out of the Philippines. I've owned this company for about five years, and I guess we'll, we'll touch upon more of that later. But I got into real estate, actually, when I first started back in 2004. I started flipping properties then. My first property was a rehab property. And then after that, got into short sales, probably to date over 700 short sale transactions, got into commercial, got into residential flipping, wholesaling, lending. I know you lend as well. So there's a lot of stuff that you know we could talk about on that side of it. And then I also helped start two different coaching programs, real estate education coaching programs that focus on real estate professionals, You know, buying, selling, uh, the first one was on the short sale side. And then the second one was just all of real estate. And then through that time, this was back in my first one that I helped start was back in 2005. Second one was 06, 07. Through that time and working through and with thousands of real estate agents and investors, I'll just call them real estate professionals because a lot of them do both, right? They do investing in the agent side. So working through and with those individuals, I saw a very, very big need in the industry meaning there was a void on getting help that was very affordable. You know, I live here in Connecticut. In Connecticut, if you hire someone in Connecticut, you're paying a lot of money for somebody, right? You're paying, there's a lot of, un, you know, think about this. If you bring someone on that's an employee, you're paying for taxes, insurance, desk space, et cetera, et cetera. There's a laundry list of things that you have to pay for. So I figured there's got to be a better way. So in 2013, I got introduced to the virtual assistant world. Now, back at that time, it was more commonplace in the agent world rather than the investor world. So a light bulb went off and I thought, you know what, from my background and my coaching programs that I help run in training platform, I figured, you know what, there's got to be a marriage there. So 
I tested it out in 2014 for about a year and a half to make sure there was a proof of concept. You know, there was a need for it. Come to find out, surprising, not surprisingly, it was a big need and it started rolling from there. So that's pretty much how I got started in the real estate path. Prior to that, I played uh, professional ice hockey for uh, eight years, four years here in the United States and four years in Europe. So, and just a little bit about that, I think you're probably going to ask me about how did you jump from professional sports to real estate? So is that what you're thinking at all? Absolutely. And I see that you have all your teeth still, so that's pretty good. Came out unscathed. Actually funny, my front one has actually been knocked out a couple of times, so that one's fake. Aside from that, it was actually funny when I first started real estate or deciding to start real estate, I went to Boston University for college and I left two classes short before getting my degree. So when I was done playing, I had a kind of decision to make whether I go back to school and finish my two classes or I jump into an industry that the barriers of entry are pretty low, right? You don't need a degree. It doesn't matter about any of that. So um, on one hand, you know, a lot of us, I'm thinking that listen to, you know, your podcast may be going through some of the same challenges where they have a decision to make. Do they want to jump into real estate because they're working in a different industry or not? For me, I just didn't want to go back to school. That's the truth. I didn't want to have to go back to school. And then I also knew that if I went back to school and I had that degree, I would always have something to fall back on. Um, and I've always been a type of person who I don't like anything to fall back on because, you know, you kind of take your foot off the gas. So for me, it was, you know, doing a little research on different industries and, you know, real estate investing, it just always appealed to me. You know, my father had a contracting business growing up. He owned a couple of properties, never wanted me to go that route and that, that way in business. So I never became a contractor or rehabber. So uh, I figured I'd own my own business. And then fast forward. I run a virtual assistant company and I'm an active real estate investor as well. That's cool. And when you were coaching people, what were some of the most common things that you saw people were doing incorrectly? You know what? It really has to do with consistency. They would start something and never consistently do it. So for instance, you know, if you're looking online or you hear a podcast, right? And they say, you know what? Cold calling is the, I know you cold call. I cold call. We talked a little bit about that. Or we have teams. Sorry. I don't know. You don't cold call your virtual assistants cold call for you. And I do the same thing. But as an example, it would be investors would start doing something and not finish. So as an example of that, when I first started real estate, I'm the one that actually hammered the phones every single day. I would door knock during the day and then I would come home, get those numbers or get those addresses. I would skip trace them and I'd be the one that called them, right? You get tired after a while. That stuff beats you down. And, you know, you look at after coaching uh, many individuals that that's what happens to them too. They get tired and they consistently don't follow through. They get all fired up for one week, next week they stop, right? Or then they start again. And then, you know, you got to look at, for me, I have a wife and three kids. And if my kid's going to ask me during the day to go play golf, but I also have it planned on my schedule, then I'm going to cold call from, I don't know, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And that screws that up. Guess what happens? Your momentum is done. So that's what's typically what happens with a lot of individuals. Yeah, that makes sense. And let's say you did have that consistency. How long do you think people should be doing this to actually see results? You know, it's funny. I was talking to one of my buddies. It's going to take you a couple months. You know, you may get lucky. So for instance, when I first started real estate, I learned farming areas. I had no systems or anything. Literally, I bought a course online and one of the parts that said, hey, farm areas. And I'm like, what the heck does farming areas mean? Right. So obviously getting in the car, going through neighborhoods, seeing if there's any high grass, roofs that are all messed up, et cetera, et cetera. So start farming areas. There was a property that was listed. So I called the real estate agent to get in. I got in, opened the door, boom, a really bad smell of cat pee, right? So <laughs> I remember reading in that course that I bought that 
it's hard to get rid of. This is back in 2004, right? And obviously, there's different types of chemicals that will get rid of that now. Uh, but back in the day, they said you have to find out exactly where that smell is coming from. You have to cut out the wood. If it's part of the floor, you got to cut out the floor, et cetera, et cetera, right? I made an offer on that property. Now, the point of that, what I was saying is there weren't a lot of offers on that property because it was difficult to get rid of back then. So I made an offer on that property. They accepted it. And then at that time, I didn't have any contractors. I had a little money. So I had to go find contractors, end up making it work, right? So I ended up making $32,000 on that property. But, you know, I had no systems. I had nothing. So I had to keep going and going and going. And that just led me into the next step of finding a business partner, door knocking, and then skip tracing and all that kind of good stuff. So I did that for a year. Yeah. So flash forward to today, you don't do any of that anymore, right? You pretty much outsource all the activity. Did you want to talk about what Revo Global does and how do you outsource and what do you actually outsource? Sure. Absolutely. So for me personally, like we were talking about before, you know, I just got five leads. My outbound dialing company or team of virtual assistants was calling today and I'd put them on pause because we had a lot of leads coming in today and my acquisition guy was pretty much full to the brim. So a little bit what our virtual assistants do, I mean, I could break this down because I think it's very important for everybody just to see the tasks that virtual assistants can do. And everyone has a different type of business setup, but kind of goes like this. You have marketing department, marketing goes into lead intake, intake goes to deal analysis, right? Deal analysis goes into making offers, and then you have your closing side of it, right? And I could break closing side into three different things. If you're a wholesaler, rehabber, slash buy and hold, and if you're an agent, right? Which is contract to close. So if you want me to break those down a little bit. Sure, go ahead. So for me, I'll give you some cool things that actually you and your listeners could actually take advantage of. So one of the campaigns that I'm running right now is a tax delinquent. So we have my virtual assistant go online. They scrub three towns for delinquent people that are behind on their taxes, delinquent on their property taxes. And then what she does, she scrubs that list. She puts it on a spreadsheet. She skip traces them and then she outbound dials them. So that's one of them. Another one actually goes into Craigslist every day compiles lists, again, scrapes those lists and those leads. She uses text messaging though. She text messaged them with a pre-done template that I gave her. So now she's text messaging back and forth, whether it's an agent, you know, in Craigslist, a lot of those properties are agents or investors, but we're making offers between 65% to 80% of whatever Zillow says. Now, the reason why we used to just do 65%, but we had too much negative feedback saying, don't waste my time, et cetera, et cetera. But we changed that now from 65 to 80% because think about the psychology of that. If someone gets an offer at that, they're saying, why the heck are you making an offer at that number, right? So then we get into the, you know, down the line. And the reason being, the reason why we make that offer is because the condition of property and every property is different, right? If it's a buy and hold, the property may need a roof, et cetera, et cetera. If it's a flip, you got to buy it for a little less, right? So the idea is when our VA goes in there, scrapes the lead, talks or goes back and forth with responses, text messaging back and forth. The end goal for me is to get what I like to call a warm transfer. As soon as someone raises their hand and says, you know what, Bob? Yes, I would love to talk to the acquisition person, which is Adam or Kareem, uh, who's my business partner and one of the side of the business. It will go right to him as a the acquisition person to see if you could put it on a contract and then, you know figure out how we're going to make money, either flipping, buying and holding or wholesaling. So that's the Zillow side, or that's a Craigslist side. Zillow side, kind of the same concept. You know, you go on to Zillow, go to for sale by owner, for rent, 
scrape all of the information, send text messages back and forth with the end goal is to make an offer and then a warm transfer over to us, right? Those are just a number of ways. You could also, you know, do the MLS, you know, listings that have been over 120 days, properties that need work. You could offer a range again from 65 to 80% subject to appraisal, et cetera, et cetera. But you could do all of that, give it to the virtual assistant and have them do everything. Cool. And what tools are they using to do all these things? So on the text messaging side, if it's a one-off one, you could use something like Vumber. I recommend I use Launch Control. So launchcontrol.us, a great company. And I have my virtual assistant go back and forth. We actually train them on how to respond to different responses. Like they have a can response out. And then as soon as they get something back, they go back and forth. So we train them on different wording on how to respond to it. So I think that in Launch Control for me, I found is really, really good platform for that. Cool. And are they expected to be awake during, you know, US timeframes or, you know, how does that work? Great question. It's 12 hour difference. So they work at night and that's standard over there because that's typically it's US hours. So I'm in the East coast. So they work for me from nine to five, right? I have one of my virtual assistants from nine to five, another one from 10 to six. So I have two different one-on-ones and I also have a outbound dialing team that right now they're about 20 outbound dialers, not only for me, but obviously we have a process and a program for that to outbound dial for other you know, individuals in the United States as well. Mm-hmm. And how are you hiring your team members? Yep. So we have a whole training department or we have a whole recruiting department in the Philippines. So I set that up back in 2014. So what they do is they source and they go through a number of steps to make sure that they hit the qualities that I want. They need to have four-year college degrees. They need to be proficient in English. They need to have neutral accents. They have to have to work in the call center industry for a year at least. So those are just some of the points, but we have a whole team over there that actually goes, finds them. We've placed probably through the years, a little over 1,500 virtual assistants, not only obviously with my company, but with other individuals, real estate professionals around the country. That's great. And they're not expected to be in one giant office, right? They're also all in their own individual homes being virtual assistants. Exactly. So we actually have a virtual, they work virtually as well. So a lot of what we do, my whole background is virtual management. I've managed people from 2006. That's in the coaching programs. Like when you build up and and start coaching programs, you got to learn how to manage people virtually. And that's just, for me, it's second nature. And it's really, really easy for me. And a little bit about how we set up our structure, because, you know, you hear a lot of investors or agents say, you know, I want to make sure that, how do I know if they're working or not? Right. Because that's one of the big things. It's an honest question. If someone's not working in my office in there, I live in Connecticut, but if someone's working for me in Georgia, let's just say, or California, you're going to have the same question, right? How do you know they're not sleeping? That's just a common question that you get. We actually put an extra layer in. We have what we like to call client service managers, and those are team members that manage the virtual assistants. So every morning, a virtual assistant has to send a start a day report. And then when they're done with their day, they send in an end of day report that lists all of the tasks that they did during the day. So then now you can look at every single end of day report and and see the metrics that you want hit and if they hit them, if they didn't hit them, et cetera. Yeah. I know cold calling is a very hard job. I think a lot of people who do it here, like you said, give up about a week or so. How do they do it over there in the Philippines and how often do you have churn? 
Yep. You know, we don't have a lot of turn at all. It's pretty interesting because that's just what they know. They know that that is part of the job. It's call center. And there's a lot of call centers in the Philippines. So that's just part of what they're, you know, what they do and what they know, right? You look at a lot of individuals here, it's hard work. And we have a lot of other options at what we could do, right? Rather than sit on the phone and call all day. In the Philippines, they don't have as many options as we do. So the call center industries is a really big for them because that's where a lot of outsourcing takes place. Yeah, that makes sense. For your cold callers, are they using something like a mojo dialer to just power call all these different numbers? Yeah, so we have a lot of one-on-one clients that use like a mojo dialer, right? There's a lot of different dialers out there, but mojo dialer is one of the more common ones. With my team, they use 5.9. 5.9 is more robust, but it's also more expensive, right? I would recommend, you know, if you're going to hire a one-off, like one-on-one uh, VA, definitely use a mojo dialer. 5.9 is just very confusing. The reason why we do it is because we set up, you know, we do it for a number of clients around the country. So it makes sense for us. And the way we set it up, the back end and how it works, it just makes sense for us to use 5.9. But the one-off one, Mojo Dialer for sure. So I have a kind of a technical question. Like I know when someone uses Mojo Dialer, you need to have a callback number, right? So that when they miss the call, they call it back. But right now, I think I have it set to my own personal Google Voice number. What do you usually do in that situation? Do you give them a phone number? Yeah, we give them a phone number. What we do is we get a local phone number and it goes into a voicemail. It could go back to you. It could direct to you. We have them go back into a voicemail and then our virtual assistants call them back. We actually get it. It's funny you say that because we get a very high rate. I call them ITSs, interested to sell. But on the callbacks, we get about 38% of ITSs when they call back. That means they're more motivated. It's pretty interesting how that works. I just pulled stats before we can this call. That's great because like, I don't want to get called on my Google Voice number. You know, So it was great to have... I guess uh, a voicemail drop, like you said. And what voicemail service do you guys use for that? We actually buy them through. So we buy them through 5.9. And there's some other voicemail drops or some voicemail stuff that you could also do. But for us, we use 5.9. It goes right into their system. And then we just use that. There's also CallRail. You could use CallRail as one of the good ones out there that many of our clients use. Uh, But as you know, there's a lot of different systems out there. But for me and our team, we use 5.9. It's perfect. And like you said, after all that's done, you only basically talk to people once they have raised their hand and they're actually interested in, you know, selling property at a reasonable price. Correct. You know, so here's how the process goes for us. We, in a break it down, I touched upon this. You compile a list. You could do a couple different things. You could put, um, you could do calling, texting, and RVM, ringless voicemail on the same process. So you get a list, your virtual assistant can pull different types of lists, right? Some of the lists that we found that are really good are pre-foreclosure, tax liens, evictions, code violations, probate, and obviously out-of-state owners and some of those. But they could pull those, compile them, skip trace them, put them into the auto dialer, like you're talking a mojo dialer, and then just outbound dial, hammer the phones. When someone picks up the phone, the end goal is to gauge seller motivation to see, hey, are you interested in entertaining an offer? That's all I want them to do. And then they're going to send them over to our team because our team, no matter where you are, probably no one's better than you or your acquisition team on turning that into money, right? Because you can look at every different company, you know, some companies only wholesale, some companies only rehab, some companies would rather buy and hold, right? If you have companies that do all three and could potentially list the property, majority of those leads that come in can be turned to money. But if you only wholesale, a small majority of them will turn into money, 
right? So the more, I like to call it a buffet, the more opportunities and more strategies that you have in your business to make money, those leads are more valuable. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you're going to have more exit strategies to capitalize on it on the max, on the best way. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So how big is your team here locally? So my team here locally is myself. I have two other partners slash acquisition people. So it's really three. Most of my team members are my VAs and I'm not talking about constructor contractors. So I keep those aside. You know, obviously I have an attorney and things like that, but just three here in the United States. And the end goal is just to get the leads in here, right? To funnel all the lead generation into here. And it's our job to turn those into money. You know, again, the team, I'm not counting, you know, my hard money lenders, my private money lenders, my attorneys, my agents, I'm not counting them, but direct it's three. And then do you actually still go to the properties to, you know, talk to the seller face to face or do you kind of do everything online as well? I do everything online. For me personally, I don't do much, but I did check out three properties today. <laughs> and it was funny, I was getting on a car with my partner Kareem and I'm like, you know what? I miss this. I miss doing this, actually going out and checking out properties. You know, one of the houses is actually pretty funny. So the door handle was taken off. The back door was kicked in, right? The whole nine yards, one property today, the copper was taken out. We have copper here in Connecticut and you know, people go in, they strip the copper and they sell it. So that's just what happens here. But anyway, those are a couple of properties I went through today. And I usually don't do that. It's the first time in a long time I had to, to go through a property, but it wasn't talking to sellers. One was a short sale, vacant property. The other one was a bank-owned property. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun to just go look around to see what people are living in, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And you're also talking about how you were working with agents in the past as well, how you kind of partner with them to find buyers for these properties that you can wholesale. Yeah. So I'm glad you actually brought that up. So I have an agent out in probably about 30 to 45 minutes away within that range, New Haven and Bridgeport, Connecticut. I live in West Hartford area. So that's about 35, 40 minutes away just to give you know, your listeners kind of a, a visual on it. Um, what I do is I use my virtual assistants to outbound dial, same system I told it, to gauge seller motivation. What he does is he works with 10 to 20 buyers that are looking for buy and hold properties. Right. So think about this. If you, if you really break down commissions, he works on commissions. So he's making anywhere from $9,000 to $18,000, depending on what that property, right? 3% of $500,000 is what, 15 grand. So he's making anywhere range from nine to 18,000, depending on what that property value is. So what he does, instead of wholesaling, what he's doing is doing on the retail side, but his commissions are pretty good size. So what I do is I send him leads. He matches his buyers up to the motivation of what that homeowner actually wants for that property. So he's actually running acquisition on the buyer side. Sometimes what he does, he's been very good at getting dual commissions on those because majority of those properties are not listed. So you could double that commission. It could be $30,000 instead of 15. So that's what I set up with him a little bit different than what I do in my you know local backyard. Cool. So what do you think most people are doing wrong when it comes to hiring virtual assistants? You know what? I like to break it down. I learned this. I can't take this, but I want to say my buddy, Joshua Smith, he also has a, another podcast. Maybe you could, you're interested in jumping on his too. I can give you more information on that if you want. But I just did a podcast with him. What he teaches are the four R's. And this will go back to answering your question. Four R's are roles, responsibilities, requirements, and results. So one of the things that I see people do wrong when they're hiring are number one, they don't identify what exact role they want to fill right? Do they want a cold caller or do they want someone who has phone skills and the ability to be on the phone? Or do they want somebody with admin skills? Because those are two different skill sets. 
I mean, think about this with, you know, I know with, with majority of the bookkeepers out there, if you ask them to put them on the phone, they're going to freeze and they won't be able to do it, right? They won't be successful because that's a total different skill set. So we, uh, real estate professionals, we have to identify first what that role is and be crystal clear on what that role is. So that's the first one. Second one is we have to identify and list all of the tasks that we want done, right? Is it, are the tasks you want? Do you want them to be a social media manager? Do you want them to post on social media every single day so then they keep your brand out there? Or do you want them to you know, compile lists, like I said, go to all these different sites, pre-foreclosure, tax lien sites, or not tax lien sites, it's it's town hall through your town, right? Compiling, do you also want them to skip trace? Do you also want them to call? Do you want them to set appointments? What are the tasks that you want? Because what I see is individuals come and they're looking to hire someone, but they're not crystal clear again, first on the roles, and then second on the tasks. Then third are requirements, what are the requirements that you want from that individual, whether it's in-house or virtual? For me, virtual, you have to look at call center experience. I want someone who has call center experience because they're used to being on the phone. If I want someone who's outbound dialing, you want to make sure that they're, you know, they're comfortable being on the phone, right? If you want someone who's very good at Excel, make sure they're, you know, they have that on their resume, right? Uh, and final thing is results. Be crystal clear on what kind of results you want. Because too many times I see individuals listen to a podcast and hear something and they say, you know what? I heard on one podcast that one virtual assistant could do 2,000 calls in one day, right? It's just, but I heard that happen. Come to find out the individual that was talking actually works with a team of VAs that does, you know, a bunch of calling because not one VA cannot do 2,000 calls in one day. That's just the expectations would be set wrong. Because then you'd say, okay, I expect my VA to call 2,000 times. I expect my VA to send over 10 motivated seller leads a day. And that's what I expect, right? Those numbers are off. So what I would do is I would recommend, you know, people do a little more due diligence and really look at the results and, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Don't be unrealistic, I guess I'm saying, right? Because sometimes there's some unrealistic expectations. Also, don't expect... If you have someone in your office, so for instance, Sean, if you have someone in your office, you know, expect the same output from a virtual assistant as someone in your office. Don't expect more from somebody virtual than in your office. To me, it doesn't make sense, right? But I do see that once in a while. So just things to be aware of. That makes sense. And are you expecting them to cold call for the whole, you know, nine to five? Or is it like split half and half? Because I know that cold calling for eight hours straight can be very, very exhausting. It is, but they do cold call all day long. That's impressive. It is. It is. During the days, we have periodic breaks, though. So they're not, just like you said, they're not hammering the phones all the time. So they do have periodic breaks. What happens is when they get a, someone on the phone, they're on the phone talking, and then they, after they're off the phone, then they take a little time updating the notes, and we get an automatic email right to our inbox. That's, you know, all the information that we want. And then they hit the dialer again, the dialer starts again. So they do get, you know, a little time off, and then they do breaks here and there as well. It definitely is tiring, right? Right. Yeah. And are they skip tracing them themselves or do they just put through like a skip tracer and then it populates everything at like 15 cents per per lead? So two different ways. So Asia, who I was just telling you about is one of my VAs that actually was scrubbed the three towns. So she actually went and skip traced them herself. And then we also have a skip trace service. So we're testing it. She's going to do it herself. And we test this one and we have a service that we actually use as well. So when she skips trace herself, is she just going on a website like fastpeoplesearch.com to find the address and phone numbers? Exactly. hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. 
And that's very painful too. Like my virtual assistant is doing that right now and she can maybe cover, you know, a couple hundred every week just because there's so many numbers and so many addresses. Yep. And we, we go through the same thing and uh, we're testing. That's why, you know, definitely do both. But it is, if you have a virtual assistant, you want them to skip trace, it's a great thing for your VA to do. Right. So, I mean, one of the big challenges that I had, especially when hiring virtual assistants for the first time is just hiring them because you send out a job post and you can get hundreds of applicants and you don't know how to actually choose the right one. So yeah, what are some of your tips on deciding like this one's an actual good person to to hire? Well, we, I mean, we funnel through thousands and thousands and thousands. So I definitely feel your pain. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of clients come to us because they've gone through that process right there. And they say, you know what? It was so painful for me to go through a hundred resumes only to get that one needle in the haystack and then come to find out the VA jumped for another job because someone else offered to pay more, right? That happens a lot. But what I would recommend definitely you do is, like I said before, first look at their past experience. Do they have call center experience? And when you're talking to them, you have to look at how their English is. Do they have a really deep accent or not, right? Do they have capacity, right? Because, you know, there's different types of capacity out there. I have a good, do you ever read the book, uh, Leadership by John Maxwell? So they talk about seven types of capacity. One is energy capacity. Second is emotional capacity, thinking capacity, people capacity, creative capacity, production capacity, and leadership capacity. So if you look through all of those capacities, and I know I went fast, I could slow down if you want, but if you look at every one of those capacities, that's what you want in somebody who's working for you, whether it's virtual or not. You know, you want to make sure on the energy side that they have the ability to push through, you know, a day's work if you want to cold call, call it, right? Do they have the mental capacity to do that? Are they, do they have the ability to manage their emotions on a daily basis, right? Thinking capacity, do they think out of the box? People capacity, do they have the ability to build relationships with homeowners, let's just say? Are they creative? If there's a challenge they run into, can they think of answers? and solutions to those challenges. Production, meaning they have the ability to accomplish the results that you want, right? And that you give them. And then finally, leadership. Are they leaders? The leadership one is more on the, you know, if you want to use a virtual assistant to be a team lead on top of other virtual assistants, right? That's really more on the leadership capacity of it. I know I kind of went long on that one, but those are some of the things that I look at. Yeah, perfect. Because I'm actually doing that right now. Like I have some virtual assistants that do better and I have them in leadership positions who can then take over for when I have more team members for more tasks. Yep. And that's that's smart to do because obviously you're thinking ahead. You're thinking about building teams and where they're going to fit in within your organization so you don't have to manage them yourself. So that's, that is very smart. Exactly. And I know a lot of my friends would love your service where they have a team in the back end who are doing the lead generation, cold calling, and then basically only serving you leads that are, that are very warm. Do you want to go over, I guess, the exact services that Reva Global features? Absolutely. We do one-on-one. So we do part-time, full-time. So part-time is 20 hours a week and full-time is obviously 40 hours a week. So that's what we offer. We don't do project-based because we found that that is a whole niche in and of itself. That's a total different management type of business management in and of itself. So we do part-time, full-time. We also have each virtual assistant and client is given a client service manager as part of their team that helps them you know, manage the VA, make sure they show up every day, make sure they get an end of day report to make sure they're hitting the metrics that you want them to hit. So those are basically the services that we have. We also have an outbound dialing company as well with a team of virtual assistants. So the three things that we offer are 20 hour, 40 hour, and just cold calling. 
So you guys are basically an agency, right? Like you connect them on a one-to-one basis. Like this is your virtual assistant. It's dedicated to you. So if you call us and you say, Bob, you know, I want a 20-hour VA and here are the tasks that I want. So then what we do is we go find the exact VA that will fit within your task that you want. So for instance, if they're a phone VA, inside sales, an ISA, a virtual assistant. So what our company does is actually we have a recruiting department. We have a training department, placements department, and operations department. So our recruiting department, they go out. We have a ton of ads going all over the place in the Philippines. And we attract you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applications in every single week. So our recruiting sourcing department go through, they comb through everyone. They do a initial interview. They do a final interview. They do a systems check to make sure all their systems are, are correct, meaning they have the right internet, they have the right speed, because there's nothing worse than actually getting on a call with a virtual assistant and, you know, it's, it's breaking up, it's, it's breaking up, it's very, very frustrating. So, and we make sure they have the correct backup, because just in case there's something happens to their primary, there is a backup for them. So it doesn't stop production for, as a client, me as an investor as well, right? So once it goes through that process, then they go through one month of training, and they train on cold calling, they train on building buyers lists, they train on building lists, social media, things like that. And then once we have a client in our place, it goes from sales to placements. So our placements team is like match.com. Placements team looks at you know, your tasks, exactly what you want, the type of virtual assistant that you want. If it's an admin VA or a phone VA, which is an ISA, an inside sales agent type of VA, which has great communication skills, is great on the phone, etc. So we match your tasks up with exactly that type of VA that you need. And then once you guys match up together, it's put with our operations team. And our operations team is managed by one CSM, which is a client service manager, on top of that virtual assistant client pair. So you get access to them on a daily basis. If you have any questions, if you want to add in you know, more systems, you contact the CSM and say, hey, CSM, hey, Jerry, hey, Chi, could you uh, help me train this virtual assistant on this particular new thing that I want him to do or her to do? Perfect. So what are the costs for those three different programs you guys have? Yep. So for part-time, it's $10.60 an hour and full-time is $9.60 an hour. And just to go over a little bit of that pricing and how that works is we pay our virtual assistants very competitively. And the reason why we do that is because we don't want them leaving. You know, you hear horror stories of, you know, if you go to different companies and they job hop, we have the highest retention rate in the industry uh, because we offer them that and a robust benefit package to pay for their insurance. We offer 0% loans in different circumstances and a bunch of other benefits that we give them. So that's a little bit of why we as a company have, you know, one of the highest retention rates around and in the VAs and clients don't leave because of our VAs loyalty. I'm sure you've seen that, right? Individuals from the Philippines, I have found, you know, they're natural caretakers. They're eager to serve, very loyal. So that's a great thing about the Philippines. You know, I look at every one of our team members as family. It's pretty interesting. We go there two to three times a year. We just had a huge party. We have a, a yearly party in November every year. And there's about 200 of our virtual assistants showed up. So it's pretty cool. That's nice. Yes. And the other one is our outbound dialing company. Just call for pricing because sometimes that does vary depending on, you know, lists sent in, et cetera, et cetera. So 
look at the part-time, full-time model, and then definitely just contact me off if you want, if that's okay with you, um, reference to the outbound dialing. Sure. And what would you recommend for like a newer investor? How much should they budget and how many virtual assistants should they have on their team? You know what? A newer investor should start with one, right? And break it down. Like I said before, I would definitely break down your business and understand what tasks that you, you know, you want, what tasks that you want to outsource, right? So if you break that business down into marketing, I went over a lot of the marketing already, but you break it down from marketing to lead intake to deal analysis. And then you talked about making offers and then closing. So if you're a newer investor, I would focus mostly on the marketing side, right? Whether you're going to be doing outbound dialing, text messaging, ringless voicemail. If you do ringless voicemail, the virtual assistant could then take in those leads for you. So it doesn't, you know, a lot of investors are very busy. So virtual assistants are fantastic at taking inbound calls and gauging seller motivation. Another thing I would definitely have new investors or even seasoned investors like yourself, and I'm sure you do this, but follow-up is huge, right? That's one of the biggest pain points I know for me and everybody else as an investor. If you don't have an incredible follow-up system, you're throwing a lot of money out the window, right? Because we spend so much money on getting that lead in. And if we only talk to them once and they don't agree to our price, then guess what? That is a money thrown out the window. So what we do is we create a follow-up nurture campaign that our virtual assistant follows. So every month they're emailing, texting them, and calling email, text, call, email, text, call, you know, with the idea of setting an appointment with our acquisition guy. So that, that's what I would definitely do. And, you know, social media branding, I'll give you a good example, right? So on my virtual assistant side, a gentleman I haven't talked to probably in over a year, maybe a year and a half, called me up yesterday and he said, hey, Bob, you know, tell me a little bit more about your service. I've been seeing your stuff on LinkedIn. And you know how much stuff I do personally on LinkedIn? My virtual assistant team posts it all the time. I'm like, really, John? Well, great to see you. So he's a mortgage broker now, but he's looking to use a virtual assistant in that manner. He's going to use them to scrub through LinkedIn, through Google, compile a list, call and set appointments for him. So it's pretty interesting. The point being is that, you know, on the social media side, whether it's through Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever it is, it's that branding of it. You know, you may not see money come in today, but guess what? It will come in over time because your brand's always out there as an example. It's perfect because I'm actually doing the same thing. I have one of my virtual assistants in charge of my business Instagram account. Like I don't care about that one. I have maybe a couple hundred followers and I just say, hey, go on Hootsuite and then just play with it. Post every single day and then eventually you get good enough. Now you can go on my personal LinkedIn. Yep. Perfect. That's good because now think about this. You're not doing any of that, right? You know, all this stuff is getting sent out. This podcast, for example, you know, you send it out, send it out and it's getting driven back to you. It's very, very smart. Love it. Exactly. And I was wondering, do you train your virtual assistants in terms of like the scripts for when they cold call people or the text message that they send out? Or is that up to the investor to send that out for them? So if you have a one-on-one investor, we do have a specific script that we do train them on one-on-one within our training team. And then what I found is when people do get VAs one-on-one, they want to tweak the script a little bit, right? Okay. On the text message, we do have scripts as well. But what I do find is a lot of investors want to tweak it to what they have and what they want to be said. That's good. I mean, at least it's not like a blank slate where they have to figure it out all from scratch. Correct. Yeah. So we do, we like I said, we sent them through a, a month training platform that we created a nice proprietary platform. Really cool that make sure that they're, you know, ahead of the game when they do it. I mean, I like to always say it's an 80, 20 rule, right? 
you look at all of our businesses and let's say we all do the same exact thing, but it's that 20% that makes you special, him special, her special, that's different from everybody else that you know drives your business. So for instance, if you do rehabs and not wholesaling, that's different. I know you lend money. So that's another added benefit to you, right? Where another investor doesn't do it. That would fall within that 20%. Yeah, that's actually my saying for this year. My saying is focus on the 20% for 2020. I just had that conversation with one of my buddies. One of my buddies, I interact with a lot of people outside of the real estate industry. You know, a couple of my good buddies are pretty high up in some financial industries and own supermarkets and things like that. We just had this same conversation about the 80-20 rule, which is, I think everyone should look at that, right? Exactly. Perfect. So what are some final tips that you can give to our listeners before we end the show today? You know what? Some of the tips definitely take action, right? One of the things that I see, there's two things. Number one, it's consistency and taking action. I think it's really, really important for individuals to, number one, follow through and finish what they start. But what, when they start something, they have to continually and consistently do it and don't quit too early, right? That's what I find investors do, whether they're new or seasoned, you know, give it time. I know for the call I had yesterday, um, I was talking to a real estate agent coach and he sets expectations right up for real estate agents. And he says, listen, don't expect to make money until nine months. And that's just on the, these are not my words, right? But this is my conversation yesterday. For me, when you're working with virtual assistants, it takes a little time to get them up and running, right? It's just like, Sean, if you hire someone in your office, they're not going to start making money for you from day one. So definitely give it time. It takes two to three months. Think about this. If you set up a text message campaign and you're working with your virtual assistant, you know, that'll take you about a week to get it set up. And then all of a sudden now uh, you'll start getting action, action, action. But 70% of all properties bought and sold, no matter if it's an investor or an agent, you could go from 60 to 80%, whatever. But on average, 70% of all properties are bought through follow-up, right? So that means when you get that initial lead in here, if you start working with a VA today, you start getting leads in that first month, majority of them are not going to close right away. It takes time. It takes nurturing. It takes, you know, consistency, reaching back out and forth. I mean, that's just the way the real estate business works. There's no, you know, there's a hustle there. There's no get rich quick in any kind of real estate that I have found. I've been in this industry since 2004 and I haven't got, I haven't seen that yet. I don't know about you. How about you, Sean? Have you seen anything? No, it takes a lot of work. Any magic pill? No. Sometimes you do get lucky, but then sometimes you also uh, mess up too. I got lucky on my first deal. So literally when I was for the first 10 days I was in business, I got that rehab under contract, made 32 grand. But after that, I realized I'm like, crap, man, I got no systems. I got no team. I got nothing. So, you know, I'm living proof of that. It takes time, which is, you know, that's okay. But just knowing going into that industry, it does take time. That's another parting words I could say. Just be patient, follow your passion, stay focused. Real estate is here and makes people a lot of money but it does take a little time to get started and get going. Yeah. You know, one thing I forgot to go back on is when you hire an assistant through Reva Global, do that come with the tools that they need to like cold call and stuff or do they have to actually purchase them themselves as well? No, you have to purchase them themselves. You know, when you use my cold calling team, that's all covered underneath that umbrella. But on a one-on-one, you got to go get your mojo dial and go get a phone number. And then, you know, the virtual system will hammer your phones all day long and those leads come to you. So. Gotcha. But at least you can help them set it up, right? Because I'm sure most new investors have no idea how any of this stuff is even set up. Yeah, we could help set all of that up. We have relationships. Again, we've, you know, I've worked with 
thousands of real estate investors over the years. And, you know, we understand a lot of the tools and systems and can help you, you know, can help you get all that set up. Because I know when I first started real estate, I never, never even knew what a, a mojo dialer was or a, a dialer or what call rail was or anything like that, or any text messaging platform, which they weren't out when we were back then. But now there's a lot of different text message platform and we could help, you know, just walk through those because we have a lot of experience with a lot of different platforms. Perfect. So Bob, thank you so much for being on the show today. How can people get in contact with you? Absolutely. Just go to our website, revaglobal.com, R-E-V-A global.com. If you want to set up a strategy session too, we have a button on our website that says schedule a strategy session and do over a strategy session. Perfect. All right, Bob, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Awesome. Thank you, Sean, for having me and have a great day. You too. Take care. Here's some of the key takeaways from this episode. You need to go through a sea of applicants in order to find the right team members. When you bring them on board, you have to define the tasks and be crystal clear on the results that you want and have the metrics to go with it. Don't expect to hire someone and instantly make money from them. It takes time to get them started and to see the results. By hiring a team to do the tasks that you don't want to do, you can focus your time on the actual needle-moving activities for your business. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find the show notes and other episodes on our site, everythingrei.com slash podcast. If you live in the Bay Area, join our meetup group, where we meet up twice a month in San Jose at meetup.com slash everythingrei. And if you thought this was a great episode, let me know what your key takeaway was and share it with a friend who's interested in real estate investing. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day.